Hey, welcome back to Widowed Too Soon. Thanks for joining me, Mark, for episode 57 of Widowed Too Soon. 57. That's crazy. Um, I love that you all still listen. Thank you so much. Um, I feel like you've invested in our lives and um, it's just really cool that we have so many loyal listeners and fans and um, just want you to know we appreciate you. Um, Michelle, unfortunately, uh, cannot be with us um, today as she has a lot going on with work and whatnot. Um, but I am here and I am going to uh, try to bring you some content. Um, you know, I just wanted to bring you guys something, um, same as last time. I just, I don't want to go for long periods of time without, um, bringing anything. So I decided <clears throat> I wanted to do an episode called, do you believe in life after love? Do you believe in life after love? And um, I know I'm a very talented singer and I, I shouldn't be podcasting. I should be singing professionally and I'm aware, um, you know, I don't need you to send me emails about how great my singing is. Um, you know, I get that every single week. Just so many people blowing us up. Mark should be a professional singer. Mark should be a professional singer. Um, we are aware. I'm just kidding. That obviously never, ever ever happens <laughs> on the contrary actually my friend chris said that i am not capable of singing <laughs> so um i'm obviously teasing but i'm gonna sing anyways anybody ever seen um oh what is the movie called <laughs> it's not billy madison wedding singer i have a microphone and you don't <laughs> so you're gonna listen to every word i have to say i'm just kidding so anyways, I wanted to do an episode called, Do You Believe in Life After Love? Because I'm curious. I'm curious how many of you out there are still in that beginning phase when it feels like um, so much of your life is over. And I know, again, like you've heard me mention in the past, I know about the age range of our audience. And um, most of you are still you know, pretty darn young, like 60 and, and under, um, as far as, you know, lifespan is concerned. Um, so there is plenty of life left. What does that quality of life look like, though, after we have lost what feels like everything, right? I mean, isn't that just the crushing reality sometimes when you think about it? It just feels like, man, I lost everything. Because not only did you lose your spouse, your, your loving husband or your loving wife, um, you lost the life. You, you, the life is over. The inside jokes are over. The, the plans, the ideas, um, the, the team, the team, um, for me, my last name is Masaro. It was like team Masaro is, is gone now because, um, Lacey was, um, I felt like it was Lacey and I and the kids. And so when there's no more Lacey, I felt like team Masaro died with her. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just interesting. There's, there's so much more than people know, unless they've walked through it, that you actually lose. Um, gosh, you lose, you lose everything. 
you lose in some, in many cases, you lose your financial stability. You lose, um, I mean, for me, it was like, I, I lost, man, I lost meals and my best friend and the mother of my kids and the one who was smarter and, um, you know, just, just a, I don't, I don't like saying this because it makes it sound like I'm feeling sorry for myself and I'm not. It's just, she was just such a wonderful woman. She was such a faithful follower of Christ, such a servant of the kingdom that I'm sure a lot of you relate to this. There's times where I feel like God let the wrong one uh, go to heaven. Like, I feel like my kids would have been much better off with her. Um, but I'm not in the, uh, arena to try and pretend like, you know, I know what's best or anything. So I'm not, I don't question God. Um, I did at first. I, I, I really didn't, it didn't make sense that it was her. It would have made sense that it was me. Um, and I don't know, I don't know exactly. I'm sure some of you can, can understand what I'm saying by that, but, um, so anyways, so do you believe in life after love? And you think about that and, you know, many of you are further out. So primarily, I guess this would be a question addressed to, um, it is of course, obviously rhetorical because this is a one-way conversation. Um, but this would be more so addressed to the people uh, closer to the beginning, you know, maybe, maybe a year or less. Um, anybody could feel this at any point, but I think it's more likely. Um, and that might be cool for those of you to hear um, that are kind of in the beginning that, that this more likely applies to you than it does for somebody that's a little further out. So do you believe in life after love? Do you believe that there's still hope. Can you find that hope? It's hard sometimes. It's It feels like nothing matters sometimes. And um, especially when you're like trying to raise little kids. Um, and, and I don't want to say especially because it sounds like I'm taking something away. Because at least I have, even though for me, it feels sometimes like, man, like I just have little kids to talk to all day. And uh, which they're amazing kids. Um, but some of you are truly alone and it's just you and maybe the sound of a television in the background, um, or radio or a audio book or something, but, um, there's not a whole lot of conversations with other adults, um, because maybe you're hiding from the world. Maybe, um, maybe it's easiest for you to not face other people because the grief is too heavy and the sadness is, is too much for others to bear. And you probably feel that. Um, so I will say from my experience that I'd say it probably took me maybe six months to start feeling like there was potential for life again. 
um, I know the idea of dating somebody again was like, well, I knew, I knew very, very, very early on that I didn't want to be alone. Um, but that almost made the grief worse because I knew that nobody would be good enough. It didn't matter. It didn't matter how kind she was, how sweet she was, how pretty she was, like whatever. Um, none of that mattered because nobody was going to hold a candle to Lacey. And, um, and there's still very, very much of me apart that uh, understands exactly what I meant by that. But also my heart was um, completely broken and... I was also going through some very um, lonely, dark, scary times and um, especially lonely because I wasn't telling anybody what was going on. I didn't want to share with anybody at all. Um, I mean, I'd share, I'd share bits and pieces with people, but it was pretty rare for me to like actually lay out what I was feeling in my heart. Because um, sometimes you feel like the, the feelings are so intense that um <laughs> that people would almost tell you you're not supposed to feel that way like that's too dark like you can't feel that way and especially like you know other christians it might be like well you know you're not putting enough faith in god i've had some i've had some people tell me some weird stuff um that they mean well but like it was almost like your grief was um, like it felt to, to some people, like maybe, um, you didn't have enough faith and that's why you were having grief. And that's, nobody said that directly, but just kind of, um, the, the shutdown you can receive sometimes as you share your grief with somebody. Um, I, I had somebody, and I think I've mentioned this in this podcast before, but, um, I had somebody tell me that uh, I could send them a Marco Polo. If you're unfamiliar, what that is, is basically like video text messaging um, that I could send them a Marco Polo whenever I needed to, if I ever needed somebody to talk to. And um, I sent him one and it was like five days before he replied and said, I finally finished listening to your super long Marco Polo. Like that was that was just kind of hard to get through. It was really long. It was long, you know, it was like 40 minutes, but I, I thought I was, I mean, I had just lost my wife. I needed, I needed to talk to somebody, you know, and it felt like I was talking to somebody. So, um, but that, that single event made me not want to talk to anybody ever again about my grief. And, um, I would, I would slip sometimes is how I looked at it. I would slip sometimes and start talking about it to, to, to people. Um, but for the most part, I, I, I kept it to myself. I'd tell people, there's certain people I'd talk to about bits and pieces. Um, but I never really told anybody the, the level of the loneliness and the pain that I felt. Um, it just, it was really hard for me. It was hard for me to ask for help. It was hard for me to ask for anything because I had this feeling of, um, I was confused, you know, I was really confused and it was such a dark time that, um, I just really felt like who cares? Like nobody cares. Nobody wants to hear this. Like everybody's going about their business and, um, 
you know, they're just having regular dinners tonight, family dinners, like while I'm sitting here at home, still alone, I still lost my wife. I still don't have anybody. And, um, so after, after a long time of that, you start to challenge your own thoughts. Um, for, for me, for example, I, I started challenging the idea of, um, nobody being good enough, nobody being worthy. And there is no comparison. I don't, I don't compare, um, my current girlfriend to Lacey in any way, shape or form. Um, because it's just, there's no, there's no point in doing that. And they're, they're different people and it's a different relationship. And so I separate them and I am still allowed to love Lacey and still allowed to love the one and only Miss Mysterious, who um, I will reveal her identity at some point. <laughs> um, but, you know, I am able to um, love both of them. And, and it's okay, because I don't, I need to, I needed to accept that. Um, and again, this is going back to like six months when I started challenging the idea that nobody would ever be good enough. Um, I said, well, they need, somebody needs to be good though. And because I don't want to be alone. I don't want to raise kids alone. I don't want to live my life alone. Um, I don't want this to be my forever. And so there's kind of a weird, um, feeling about dating again, um, that I will, I will share with you. And for those of you who have not made it that far yet, and some of you are probably thinking that you never will, you might, you might not, but it's so interesting. Um, you can't help but feel guilt associated with it and you have to turn it off because what do you have to feel guilty about whose business is it anyways and the way i view it um as far as like guilt and so it's it's weird it's it's not necessarily um guilt for me anymore i don't i don't have guilt about it but it just it it never doesn't feel like it wasn't meant to be like that, like that wasn't the way it was supposed to be. And I think anybody out there, um, including you, mystery girl, um, who has started dating again, will probably understand what I'm talking about that. Um, there's just this part of it somewhere lurking under the surface that it just doesn't feel fair. And it doesn't feel like it's the way it was supposed to be. You were supposed to be, you were supposed to complete your vows of marriage in a different way. It was supposed to be until death do us part, but that death was supposed to come much, much further down the line. Um, especially for, for those of us, um, that are young. I know there are a certain group of people that are, um, you know, late sixties, early seventies. You may not feel this way. Um, you, you know, it may not, it may not feel the same for you. And so I apologize if, um, I, I can only speak on what I know. Um, and what I know is that for me, it just, there's just always this, 
this feeling under the surface, um, no matter how, no matter how in love I feel and how awesome and excited I feel to be in this, um, this position in life of like having found someone else that's really, really great, a good, um, a good woman, a, a, a wonderful believer um, that just loves people and, and, and cares about others and is very considerate. I just feel so blessed to have met somebody like that. Um, and, but even that being said, there's still just this part of you that just, you always feel this thing under the surface. Like, I, I don't know that I will ever not feel like Lacey's husband. Um, because my heart was so like committed to her, you know? And, um, it wasn't even a thought on the radar that like, I wouldn't, that she would die young of cancer. Like that never crossed my mind. Um, that doesn't, that sort of thing doesn't happen to us. Right. Um, and I know so many of you understand that relate that before any of this happened to you, this sort of thing doesn't happen to people like you and not, not that you're a particularly good person or whatever, like not that you were thinking that, but like, um, that, that sort of thing happens to other people. That's the thing you all the, what we've been through is something you you watch in a movie you you hear about on the news. It doesn't happen to to you though, right? And um, so, do I believe in life after love? I do. I very much do because I'm living it. I'm experiencing it, and it's it's new though. It's a different kind of life. So. Um, I never thought I would have a relationship that's built around the um, the understanding of loving somebody else. Uh, like I understand greatly that she still loves Mrs. and adores her husband, and um, and and you know, vice versa. She she knows the same about me and. Um, it's very interesting that we have this relationship that's built upon understanding of each other's grief and and being there for one another through our grief. Um, like, wow, what a unique dynamic. It's not um, when Lacey and I were dating, um, we went out on dates. We, you know, went to pool halls. We went to movies. We, you know, went out and listened to music by the beach and um, you know, just did a couple things. We went out to comedy shows and, you know, there were no kids. Um, you know, I mean, she was, she was so young. We we're both so young, but she was, she was so young. She had a curfew. Like she had to be home at a certain time. Um, and I remember that. I remember like sometimes we'd, you know, we'd be watching a movie and we'd like fall asleep. And she'd wake up in a panic that it was like two in the morning and she was supposed to have been home. And um, it's just funny, like looking back at, at the difference of the beginning of our relationship now, now in the beginning of my relationship, and you know, it's not so much a beginning, we've been together about six months and, um, but it's so different now. It's this, uh, we've cried together several times and cried for each other and, um, she's she's told me stories that i've definitely like gotten really emotional about hearing and felt so bad for her because i love her and it hurts so much to know what she's gone through um and it's it's interesting because it's 
I'm able to pull myself out of what I've been through and, um, and just, um, and, and just separate what I've been through against, uh, from, excuse me, from what she's telling me and I'm able to, but because of what I've been through, I'm able to oftentimes put myself in her shoes, even though her husband died a very different way than Lacey did. Um, I'm still able to plug into the darkness that she's felt and experienced. And, and so, um, but her and I have also walked through these very dark, lonely, scary seasons of life where um, where the, the the grief is not consuming you every minute of the day. Sometimes you're finding um, something that you're excited about in the middle of the day or whatever. And um, but we still had this loneliness, and 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 we also have this this understanding of the fragility of life. And so, in our relationship with one another, we have this remarkable appreciation for life and for each other. And we understand like what a blessing it is to have love. So that being said, it is a very different relationship, but there's also a part of you that, that feels like, gosh, like there's potential for it to be even better this time around for my marriage to even be better. And, you know, why would anybody not want that? You know, it's it's kind of like I remember around the uh, the election, um, the presidential election. I have friends on both sides of the aisle and, you know, I don't need to get into all of that. But um, I remember this feeling of like, OK, well, we should all want whoever it is to do a good job. We shouldn't want to see them fail because if if they fail, we all fail. And it's kind of like a feeling like that in, in your marriage of um, like, if you think about getting married again, it's like, well, why would I not want an even better marriage? So I do hope for that. And there's a part of me that believes that it will come to pass because um, we have this, we both have this deep appreciation for life. Therefore, things that were, um, you know, that could cause conflict in a normal marriage. And now Lacey and I had a fantastic marriage. We rarely fought. And, and when we did get in arguments, it was very short. We were both very quick to apologize. Neither one of us wanted, um, we didn't care about being right. We, we just wanted, we didn't want conflict with one another. We wanted to have um, positive interactions. And so our arguments were always short lived. That being said, we still had arguments over petty, stupid stuff. Like, um, you know, it's just, I mean, all of, you know, I don't even need to give you examples. We all know how it is. Um, but I, you know, I will give you an example. Um, I used to take off my, <laughs> just getting real with you. I used to take off my socks on the side of the bed and lay them on the floor with the intention of putting them in the laundry basket in the morning. And she would get up before me often on like the weekends and she would, I would wake up and my socks were gone. And then after a while she was like, 
all like annoyed that like my socks were on the side of the bed. <laughs> so we, I realized, and you know, fortunately for us, we, it was very easy for her to see, like when I explained, well, yeah, I plan on doing it in the morning, but you always come by and pick them up. And she's like, Oh, so if I just leave them, you're like, you're going to pick them up. I'm like, yeah, totally. But it's simple enough that I'll just walk over to the laundry basket at night and put my socks on the laundry basket and problem solved. Right. And, but it's just an example, like, petty foolish stuff that we can get upset with each other about um you sometimes uh or excuse me let me restart that over you now know that life is too short life is too short to get worked up about stupid stuff and i walk around my whole life now with that attitude so i will carry that into a new marriage i will carry this um newfound mentality that like you know the the books of don't sweat the small stuff right like well instead of just reading it like i actually like believe it now um and i mean i bought into it before but it was hard to like put practice to it but now there's this there's this feeling of like oh that's fine that's not a big deal and i just i have this feeling of like i could find out because i've experienced it i could find out somebody i love has cancer tomorrow um that's a very real um that's that's a a strong reality that i understand well because that's exactly how it was with Lacey. everything was great in our world um and then gosh it was uh, a little more than three and a half years ago it was you know this february will be four years that she started having um pain and um and that led to the the diagnosis of aggressive 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 stage four cancer with three months left to live um and it came out of nowhere um because literally we didn't yeah she had pain she had stuff going on we knew something was going on but when we found out it was cancer we also found out she had three months to live and um it was It's, it's, it's hard to explain what it feels like if you've never experienced that to, to try and take it, um, that news and to react to that news while your kids are running in asking what's for dinner. Um, mommy, I'm hungry. Daddy, I'm, I want to play in the backyard and. Um, it's so hard to like explain like how hard it is to pretend like everything's okay. And, um, you know, I lived a long season of life of pretending like everything was okay because I needed Lacey to stay positive. I couldn't share my, my, what I was feeling with her. Um, so for the most part, I, I kept all my, my fears, and 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 i kept it all from my kids too and um because they don't you know we told them for the longest time mommy just has back pain and uh because we didn't really know what to do because nobody trains you for that um so anyways that all being said that when you choose to find a new life when you 
and it doesn't make it easy. It doesn't mean that you forget. Like there's so many, so many people that think that because I've found love again, that I've forgotten about Lacey um, or that like, you know, that I don't still think about her on our anniversaries or her birthday or whatever. And um, so that's part of it. That's part of it that you have to accept is that when you move forward, people are going to perceive it as you've moved on. And, um, you know, nobody's done anything to me or anything like that, but it's just a, it's just a feeling that I can feel. Um, and, uh, there, there's just certain, um, behavioral changes from people and things, um, where you just kind of, you can just feel that like things are different. Like everybody thinks that, um, everything's all good now because I've, found somebody else but anyways that all being said um do i believe in life after love absolutely absolutely and um unfortunately i only have one more minute of recording time left so i have to wrap this up but i want to revisit this topic with michelle and um you know get her take on this and then really dive into it more because there's a lot of positive this is a this is a large topic and um but I really feel like it can carry a long way. And I'd love to hear Michelle's thoughts on this. And I'm sure all of you would also. Um, she's great at this podcast and it's just not the same without her. So um, anyways, uh, looking forward to talking to her about this. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to speak to people. And um, just I pray, Lord, for those in the beginning of this, that you would bless them with inner peace. Um, and uh, just fill their hearts with the joy of their salvation. And um, I pray that they would find life after love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time.